Here on Swings and Mishes, we only bring you the very best content with the Miami Marlins and Major League Baseball. And if you want to get yourself into a very good car, what you need to do is make sure you head on over to Happy Car Sales, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale. And the phone number is 954-800-2449. I have been buying cars personally from Louie, the owner, for more than a decade. And he wants me to let you know that whether or not you have good credit, bad credit, or no credit whatsoever, it simply doesn't matter. He's got his full inventory online at happycarsflorida.com, and all of the financing is done in-house. Again, it is happycarsflorida.com, 203 West State Road 84 in Fort Lauderdale, and Louie's phone number is 954 800-2449. If the car that you want is not in his inventory, he will get it for you. HappyCarsFlorida.com 954-800-2449. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome back to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché. As always, as we wrap up this season very soon, uh, joined by Craig Mish. Craig, it's a lovely Friday morning, a little later in the week than how we normally do these podcasts. How are you doing this week? I'm doing well. We're, we're coming to the end of the baseball season, the regular season. Of course, the next week will be the postseason. But in terms of our Marlins regular season coverage, this will be our final in-season podcast. I have a feeling that in the middle of the week next week we'll be back here talking about uh, some changes and some new things. But for the time being, uh, we've kind of felt like and, – and we'll put a bow on the season. We'll look at everything. We'll do like a season-ending wrap-up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, uh, look, we do have people who really count on this podcast every week. I know that for a fact. I've already had people asking me where is the podcast. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I like to wait later in the week to try and gather as much information as I can. And, and admittedly, uh, last week was – kind of an exciting week and this week's a little bit of a slower week but I figured we'll kind of mash up both last week and this week into one and put it all together and then I'll we'll be back next week to talk uh, about about some new things I'm guessing yeah absolutely and going right from there um, you know like you mentioned last week uh, officially announced by the Marlins was the contract extension for manager Don Mattingly Uh, Mattingly got two years uh, with the Marlins to to come back and be the manager of this ball club. Um, and, and before we get into anything else peripherally involving Don Mattingly, I would love to know your thoughts in regards to that extension and, and what it means for the franchise. Well, I, I think that it caught some people, including myself, by surprise. Had I had to make a prediction on this all right up until it uh, the news came down, I would have been wrong on this. I would have guessed wrong. I thought that the Marlins would replace him. Mm-hmm. And, and then the interesting report came out last week. And, and unfortunately for me, uh, just, I just haven't, I simply, I really haven't asked enough questions on it, but I also haven't been able to verify it too. So I don't want to make any excuses about Ken Rosenthal's report from the athletic that Mattingly took a significant pay cut. I'm not sure why, why manager salaries aren't, public like I, I, mm-hmm. I started to think about that more and more why why don't we just know what that is so uh look ken is is about the gold standard for all of reporting in terms of information 
Um, so uh, assuming indeed that that is the case, it does make a little bit more sense at this point. Now, I tweeted out uh, as they uh, re-signed Mattingly that I did think that it was going to be a little bit of an awkward situation because they could be in the position to have to fire Mattingly uh, next year, to which was, was really a polarizing topic, Jeremy, because it felt like half the people uh, who follow baseball and who follow the Marlins agreed with me, and half the people disagreed, which was like, okay, wow, we have like a good, solid baseball. Right, <laughs> like a real debate. <laughs> Yeah, like a real discussion. Yeah. And, and in the end, um, for anybody who thinks that this may not happen or for anybody who thinks that, oh, no, look, the expectations are now set lower, which is terrible if, if that's what the deal is, that the expectations are set lower, that they're going to lose 90, 100 games, let me remind you that they fired a coach this year, okay? They fired Mike Pagliarulo after yeah. a month or two of the season. So if, if your response is, is that the expectations are lower and they're not going to make any changes, you're incorrect. If, the, if Don Mattingly gets off to a 10-31 and 31 start, I believe he's going to be fired. I don't think that that's going to be acceptable. And that's where the money, Jeremy, comes into play. Because if indeed his contract is significantly less, which again, I don't know to be fact, then it would be a lot easier to swallow, let's say, a uh, million dollars next year, a million point two, one point five, whatever it is, uh, as it would be for a guy who was making two and a half million. So I think that that does play a factor in it. And I'm not saying that, uh, that, I, that I just don't know if Mattingly is going to make it through next year because I just didn't see enough this year on the field to believe, as I've said previously, that while Donnie is – you know, I pinch myself every day with the opportunity to speak to the guy, and he's one of the all-time greats. I can't look at Don Mattingly and say, wow, what an amazing job he did. I, I can't do right. that. I mean, the right. team's going to lose 105 games. Like, I can't yeah. go and say, wow, man, awesome job getting all of these players better than they were, all of these pitchers better than they were. I, I think that they performed about what you thought. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the responses was, oh, he had a triple-A team. Okay, well, the triple-A team, uh, didn't turn out to be uh, a major league team. Hmm. And the other thing that I would like to add is there are scenarios and situations in baseball this year where the managers, at the very least, look like they got more out of their players. Hmm. So I look to Oakland. I look to Tampa Bay. I look to San Francisco. I look to Texas. Yeah. And, and yes, those teams all have better players than the Marlins. But if we're strictly looking at this in terms of predictions, and when I'm talking about predictions, there's one gold standard for predictions, and that is the place that they build hotels off wins and losses, and that is Las (laughs) Vegas. (laughs) If you look at all of the teams that were set with their win totals before the season, the Marlins are falling well below what they set that at. And a lot of teams at the bottom are going above. And those managers, to me, did a good job. Now, as a human, as a caretaker, as a friend, as a mentor, you couldn't ask for anything better than Don Mattingly. But where does that add up in wins and losses next season? So uh, I, I think the move is okay. I don't have a disagreement with it. I think it is fine. But the point that I was trying to make all last week is that anybody who is saying that it's the right move to bring Mattingly back because he did a great job, you are just ridiculous. And you're kidding yourself. This guy did not do a great job. A great job would have been winning 68 games with this right. team. Right. Not 55. I mean, come on. Let's, let's call it how it is. 
And, and honestly, Jeremy, in 2020, um, you know, the, and I asked uh, Derek Jeter's question in the press conference and, and we'll continue to. And speaking of which, we had a good story on Derek Jeter. Remind me before this podcast is okay. uh, over to talk about that. So let's add that to yeah, our little yeah. list here. Um, is I asked who's accountable? Who is accountable for the season if, if, if this is allowed? If, if, <laughs> if the guy running right. the team and they lose 105 games, who is accountable for this? And, and, and uh, the CEO, Derek Jeter, said, well, you got, it starts with me. I'm the first one that's accountable. So look, uh, we've been very kind, I think, to the Marlins in general. Mm-hmm. I think the media has been very kind locally here to the Marlins in general with the results, but they, they are going to have to understand that patience is going to be running thin starting next year. And, and I don't care what is said publicly, but privately, nobody, players, front office, media, fans, that go to the games. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, uh, take that back. You can sit on your couch and never go to a game and lose 150. It doesn't matter to you. You're not paying. Right. But if you are paying, let me add those people in there. No one wants to lose 100 next year. No one. No one will think it is acceptable next year. This fan base is not Detroit with 15,000, 20,000 built-in season ticket holders. This is not Baltimore with 15,000, 20,000 season ticket holders. This is Miami with 3,000 season mm-hmm. ticket holders, maybe even less. I don't, I don't know the exact number of what it is, so. Maybe it's higher, so I apologize if I'm wrong <laughs> on that. But I think yeah. it's in the thousands, okay? Yeah. They don't have five years to rescue this fan base. The, the, some, of, some of the good things on the field, on the pro side, have to start happening next year. So congratulations to Don Madley for getting the extension. I don't have any beef with it. I've been clear on that. I think it's fine. But I do think a scenario could play in next year is if they struggle, the Marlins' answer, I think, is going to be firing the manager. Yeah, the one thing I was happy to see in regards to this extension is that it wasn't any longer than two years, right? Because like you mentioned, if there, if there is a slight improvement next year, especially if it doesn't get off to like such a rocky start, this was, this was a weird way this season to get to 105 losses. And I know that that doesn't always make a lot of sense, but, but the way that this team played for a couple of stretches where it was just so pitiful and then other times where it was a competent ball club if next year there's at least more stretches of competent play it lasts and if in the following season 2021 they take the steps forward that we all anticipate then at the very least you could then extend from there if they don't take those steps steps forward by 2021 like we all anticipate you're in the same position you were this year where it's we're not firing Don we're just moving on which at least you're in that spot where it wasn't this crazy long-term extension. But as you mentioned, it, it would be a shame. And this is the conversation we started having back in May when this team was playing poorly was you don't want to be in a position to have to fire Don Mattingly if you're Derek Jeter. And yeah. so, and so if we go into next year and they do sputter out of the gate, unfortunately that might have to be the position that the Marlins are in, but at the very least with, with a shorter term extension, just a couple of years, Hopefully the Marlins can just take a couple of steps forward over the next few years. And then, you know, we can continue to see things moving the right direction. Uh, other than Mattingly, obviously there are other coaches on this ball club. The, the, the most notably Mel Stoudemire Jr. Uh, when it comes to the coaches and, and who will be back next year, who won't be back next year, do you have any sort of information on, on what you anticipate happening going forward with the rest of the coaches for the staff? Yeah, from what I understand, there will be changes. So I don't know exactly what those are, 
and it would not be proper of me to um to put that out that far as of yet mm-hmm. but my understanding is is from what i've said previously which i think will play in terms of being accurate um you know remember mattingly with me was more of a guess i really didn't know uh this is on the side of being that i that i do know a little bit more um but I don't know specifically, I want to be clear. I don't know the specifics as to which coaches will be back and which won't, but I don't think that a major league staff that loses 104, 105 games, 107, whatever this ends up being can bring back their entire staff. So it's kind of walking through it, uh, you know, from, from uh, macro to, to micro, I guess, uh, you know, my guess is Tim Wallach, who has been with Don Mattingly as the bench coach for a long period of time, will be back. I wouldn't, change that up there's some continuity there and and those guys are I mean if they're not best friends they're as close to best friends been with him forever so my guess is he would be back but you mentioned the prominent one and this is probably the most interesting one especially from a continuity standpoint Uh, I would make the case that the best coach that they've had on staff this year is Mel Stottlemyre Jr. He I thought did a great job with all of their young pitchers and and really took I think in my opinion a little bit of a leap of faith to come to Miami to become the pitching coach and I think that he wanted to see uh, if he liked the job as much as the Marlins wanted to see if he was right for the job. And so I think it is, I think it is good for both sides, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. And my guess is they're going to have to have a real conversation as to what this is going to look like going forward, because he is a, a pitching coach that could be potentially a free agent. And maybe people would scoff at that and say, oh, look at the bullpen. And I, look, there's, there's always that. But I, I kind of, from at least outsider's perspective, from people that I've talked to, he's very well-respected, very well-liked. And with the amount of, of changes that are going to come in Major League Baseball, I don't think there'd be any shortage of him being able to find a job. Now, immediately, as he's told us, uh, Mel has, uh, Stott has when he's come on this podcast, right. almost as soon as the season is over – he goes back out West and goes on fishing and goes fishing and he's done. Like right, he's gone once the season's ends. Yeah. He, he has some people, I think in France that come out in October every year that he uh-huh. takes around. So uh, we'll probably know about that pretty quickly. I don't have a great feel on, on this. I would, I think it would be a tremendous loss if, if the Marlins were to lose him. Uh, I think that they should overpay if they have to keep him. He to yeah. me is, is somebody that, for April and May when they were all healthy and the pitchers were looking good, it seemed like he always knew when to go to the mound and I give him a lot of credit. And I think that if you asked uh, Sandy, uh, Sandy would give uh, Stottlemyre a lot of credit for his development and look what kind of pitcher he's become in the second half of the season. You, that is genuine improvement. Like you can, it's tangible. You can look at that. You can see that, Um, you know, Yamamoto became a, a, you know, good pitcher and then, you know, not so good. And then good again, here his last start. I, I just, uh, at, le- at least from people that I talk to and from my own eyes, he appears to be a good pitching coach. He appears to be better than pitching coaches that they've had previously. And hopefully they can come to some sort of agreement in terms of the hitting coach. We know that they fired Pagley Rulo. Livesey is there. Duncan is there. I don't know what the decision will be there. You have Hillman at first. He was brought in essentially by Gary Denbo. I'd be very surprised to see him go anywhere. Uh, Freddie Gonzalez, third base coach. Um, you know, I, I suppose I suppose he could be back or not. I re- I really don't have a a feel there. Um, but we'll see. And then of course they have to make decisions on the bullpen and the bullpen coach. So, uh, but I, I would guess Jeremy one to two changes come next week. We'll hear about it, and then they'll have a search and probably bring in some new coaches for the future. But uh, you again, you you can't 
you can't on a major league field have this kind of season and start rewarding all of your coaches for a good job. I think some tinkering is going to have to be done. So my guess is, yes, there will be co- – well, not my guess. I know hmm. there will be changes next week. Yeah, in regards, just real quick, going back for a second to Bill Stoudemire Jr., the the, the biggest thing, and, and you mentioned it, was even Sandy had some struggles there and came back stronger. And I think that that has a lot to do with a, having a great pitching coach who can help you get through sort of the dog days of summer and, and is teaching you how to pitch, right? We've seen Sandy in the, in the second half of the year sort of not necessarily reinvent himself by any means. He's still a power pitcher. He still is throwing gas. But being able to really eat up the strike zone uh, in the second half of the year, and, and he's the only pitcher who's maintained his health. So he's the ultimate you know, like truly throughout the season, hasn't had to miss many starts due to health. And so he's the, the, the measuring stick of what you can really see tangibly with a pitching coach. And if that's the type of result that you are getting from Amel Sotomayor Jr. in terms of a pitching coach, I think obviously that means he did a great job. So it would be nice to see the Marlins bring him back and have some continuity for those younger pitchers, for these yeah. guys who don't have a ton of major league experience. And the other thing that I want to throw in there, and this is you know simply – my speculation but just something that i've heard and so you know we'll have to i'll have to dive in on this depending on what happens next week is that a lot of people could certainly take the contrarian approach on stottlemyre and say well what did he get out of the bullpen and and was there success out of the bullpen and was arania or stanick are these decisions his my understanding is no my understanding is that don manningly is responsible essentially for all of these moves that are made in terms of the usage and who comes in where. And I wonder, at the very least, is if they gave Stottlemyre more of an active role there, uh, if that would change things. And I think that the indictment that a lot of people have on Mattingly from Miami and even going back to L.A., yeah. If there is one thing that you could point to as a negative, and there aren't many, again, I like, I, I think he's fine as a manager, but it would be kind of that bullpen usage, and it has been a little bit strange at times. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see a professional pitching coach have more of a say and more of a role there. Uh, I don't know necessarily how uh, Stoudemire feels about that, but that's something also to keep uh, keep an eye on, too, at least from some of the rumblings that I've heard. Yeah, bullpen management is always it's a complicated thing in Major League Baseball. Even even some of the greatest managers of all time, World Series winning managers have been criticized for their uh, bullpen usage. But it'll be interesting to see the the management going forward. Um, Moving on before we get to your Derek Jeter story, we'll wrap up with that. But after the Marlins are done playing in Marlins Park, there will be events all throughout the, the fall and the winter. Uh, One of them being Miami against FIU uh, in football. Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of interesting notes there that you've heard in regards to, to that game? Yeah. Uh, well, FIU, it's, it's their game. So right. it's their home game. So here are just kind of the little tidbits that I've gotten from that. And the game is in uh, mid-November. Mm-hmm. So uh, this should be pretty cool to see, especially I, I know for a lot of University of Miami fans to see that game there. But make no mistake about it, it's Butch Davis and FIU also. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so FIU, from what I understand, is going to have the Marlins clubhouse. Oh, sweet. So, so their locker room is the Marlins clubhouse. Miami, the University of Miami, is going to be the visiting clubhouse. Huh. 
which is a little bit uh, smaller, to be honest with you. Yeah. They're going to have to put a whole football team in there. I don't know how they're going to do that. So when, um, when FIU uh, comes out, they'll be lined up on the first base side. You know, their, their sideline will be the first base side. And the uh, University of Miami will come out of the left field side. That will be their right. like, le- left field third base side. And um, the end zones will be right field hmm. and third base just like they were for the previous bowl game. And um, I just thought that that was interesting. So <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be fun. Basically, you got Miami coming out of the bullpen, huh? Like, it, it's, it's, so inter- it's so interesting. The Hurricanes are out of the bullpen, yeah. And that's, that's a, you know, I, ho- I hope they can make, uh, you know, football an annual. That's actually a really good venue for football because it's nice and tight. And my guess is by November, Jeremy, the, the roof would be open. There'd be no reason to close the roof at all. So, it should be gorgeous uh, weather by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it you also know, is. A, I, I want to say that I'm going to go, but I can't promise that. <laughs> for viewing purposes, too, for the fans, because you can walk around the entire concourse. I mean, it's the thing that we enjoy as, as, as you know, Marlin spectators as well, but you can walk around the entire concourse and still be able to see the game action is, is kind of nice for, for the fans that are going for a, uh, not not a bowl game, but for a regular season game between those two teams. So and, and look, and, the, and I'm guessing that by the time November comes around too, that the Hurricanes will be favored. But you never know. Maybe FIU. Yeah, wins. man. Maybe FIU wins the game. Who knows? Maybe Who knows? so. Yeah, home field advantage, I guess, for FIU <laughs> theoretically it, 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 with it, that clubhouse. It very well could be. All right. Next, so next but, time we'll have UCF play in the Marlins uh, oh, Park. Oh man, if if only. Uh, just get them down here to Miami at some point. Um. I can't hold the Gators there. No way. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Too, many, too no. many Gators. Oh, too many. Hey, ah. if, if the Gators hey, – listen, if the Gators played at Marlins Park, you'd need two Marlins Parks to hold all the Gators fans there. Yeah, it. that actually would be kind of insane. Um, all right, so before we wrap this up – More Gators talk? Uh, no, no, no. You just no, mentioned uh, Derek, Derek Jeter. Um, you said that there was a, a, a story there. Yeah, well, you know the story. We posted it on Swing Conditions. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, the – we uh, we had a, a an article posted on Swings and Mishes last week that that we didn't mention here on the podcast because we didn't have that at the time. So after the Marlins, uh, they had their press conference the other day when they named uh, when they gave Miguel Rojas his extension. We probably should have mentioned that at some point too. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Rojas got his extension. Don Mattingly gets his extension. I had a chance to to talk to talk to Derek Jeter for a bit. And apparently last month, late in August or in September of this month, I'm not sure exactly the exact date, but uh, Derek and uh, Tony Perez and Andre Dawson all went to lunch hmm. in, in Miami. And for a little bit of a backstory on this, if you, you missed the uh, column from Scott Miller uh, a couple of months ago uh, at the Hall of Fame, I guess there was some sort of indication from the Hawk, Andre Dawson, who... Uh, I love very much, and everybody knows that. I've known him for a long period of time. And Tony uh, Perez, who was a little bit wishy-washy with his answers, honestly. But Hawk was pretty clear that he didn't want to go to the Hall of Fame uh, next year because he felt slighted by, uh, by Derek Jeter, which now that we're getting the whole story out there, uh, and Hawk was very clear with me when I spoke to him, it wasn't necessarily directly pointed at Derek Jeter. It was a matter of, the new ownership group essentially decided not to keep him. And the way that it was handled, I suppose, was the reason for his angst. But at the very least, 
uh, I thought that that was a great olive branch put forward by the Marlins CEO as they all got together and had lunch. Uh, my understanding from speaking to uh, Andre directly is that uh, there is, there is uh, progress here with, with them at least getting to become more cordial, more friendly after all this happened. Remember, Hawk is now working for the Cubs, so he's right. cool. He's fine. And, and in the quote that uh, Hawk gave me was basically he's contemplating now actually going, and my guess is, is that cooler heads now will prevail and, and this will all be put to rest. And the whole story was really a little bit more about drama than it was about right. reality. And, and look, uh, I was knowing Hawk as well as I do, and I have known him for a long time and have been at events with him and have been a fan of his, and he knows this for a long time. And I will just say this. This has nothing to do with Derek Jeter. It has nothing to do with Mike Trout or Jim Rice or Pete Rose, okay? I, you, throw any, you, just don't, you just don't rub the hawk the wrong way. Like right. he, is, he is a very, very respected guy who commands and deserves his respect. Yeah. And when and you just don't burn that guy. Um, there are fans that through the years would tell me, hey, Andre Dawson, like, do you know him? Yeah, I do. He's like the nicest guy ever. Oh, I don't know. He looks at <laughs> when he looks at me, he looks like he's going to, you know, do something. I'm like, nah, because you don't really know it. And, and I think that that's fair because he does come across as that kind of guy. But when you know him and you are friends with him and and on the level that I am. He is, he is an absolute teddy bear and an mm. absolute nice guy that's, that does carry that scowl every now and then. And, and you just – he just he – de, he demands and commands respect. This is the same guy that, that was a free agent and was so mad that was, wasn't getting his uh, ex, the contract extended many years ago that he went to the Cubs essentially and said, here's a blank – or give me a blank check, fill it out, Tell me what you want to pay me and I'll earn it. You know, mm. like he's very, that's who he's about. And so look, uh, Derek Jeter, this CEO, he's the you know, owner of the Marlins and there's right. gotta be ego there too. Derek Jeter, one of the best players of all time. And this is just kind of, I think egos clashing a little bit in this case. And now cooler heads are prevailing and I'm happy to see it too, because I, I don't yeah. like to see this kind of conflict with, uh, with two people that I like very much in, uh, in Andre Dawson and Derek Jeter. And it seems like Tony Perez is just kind of in the wind here at this point. I don't have the relationship with Tony that I do with, uh, with Andre, so I can't really speak specifically to it. And I feel like at the Hall of Fame, uh, Tony may have been caught off guard a little bit because his answers from Scott Miller, who did a great job recording, but for his answers from Scott Miller at the time were just kind of like, well, we'll see, and I don't know. Right. And I don't, but look, the olive branch was made. He took the guys to lunch. Uh, uh, Derek told me he was just kind of like confused how it got to this point. Yeah. And, and, um, and I think it's over with at this point. I do. And I think everyone can move forward. I personally uh, would like if, if the Marlins were willing to, and I would love for them to bring back Dawson. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love for them to bring back uh, Tony Perez, who in terms of South Florida legend, baseball oh, yeah. legends are at the top for right. me. And great players, good mentors. Uh, Andre Dawson used to work with Christian Yelich. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not the hitting coach. He used to work with Christian Yelich, okay? Andre Dawson would get to the field for fielding and hitting. 
Tony Perez brought Pudge Rodriguez to the Marlins. Yeah. He is the one that stepped in and got that guy here. Maybe he's not 100%, but he gets a, a big check mark in terms of that credit. These are really good guys. And then, of course, Jeff Conine, too. Mm. And the problem with that is that there are other personal relationships involved with Niner and other former members of the organization. And I am sure that that is, has played a factor into this. And they somehow have to get past that and get Niner back in the fold as well. And maybe even Jack McKeon at some point who's working mm. for the Washington Nationals. So uh, don't want to really dig up old past and old stories, but I think it's important from my perspective to share with you what I know about these people. And as long as I've known, and I call him the Hawk, as long as I've known the Hawk, he's been nothing but great to me throughout my uh, personal and professional career to me and my family. And I'm very happy that, uh, that this can all be squashed because it's a nightmare for me to see any kind of conflict with him and anybody else. And for all of uh, the direct quotes on, on that entire story, you can see that story on swingsandmissions.com. It's the first story on our homepage. Um, and man, would I have loved to be a fly on the wall for just the baseball conversation between those three guys, right? Can you imagine talking baseball with Jeter, Dawson, and Perez just there together in one room? Man, goodness. I don't, I don't uh, think that people realize how good of a player Andre Dawson was. I think that we, I think when you go back and look, and great. his career was cut short because of that turf in Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't run. It was the worst playing surface to play on in the history of baseball yeah. was, was in Montreal. And, and if you go back and you look at some of his numbers in a day and age when, when the ball was not juiced and guys like, like Pete Alonso in their rookie year hitting 50 <laughs> home runs, Eugenio Suarez hitting 50 home runs, like Ronald Acuna, I know he was chasing 40-40, and now that that's done that he's hurt, but Andre Dawson was the kind of guy that could easily do you know, 20, 20, 30, 30, 40, 40 every single year with the best arm in baseball, uh, fantastic hitter. And, and in my childhood of growing up in the 80s, MVP, he, he yeah. was one of the best players in that decade and, and came home to play for the Marlins at the right. end of his, his career, too. So he, I can understand how he was hurt to not still be with the organization. And, and I would love to see that back again because I do think that he brings a presence and, and Miami's looking for you know, first-class people and and people who want to be around and people who want to help. And he was in uniform during spring training, uh, you know, helping out young kids. And what, what Hawk has always said that he is not going to be the kind of guy that's going to walk over to a young player and tell him what to do, but he is always going to be available. And in the one instance where the Marlins organization did ask Hawk and did ask Tony Perez to do something, they did it. And that was stick it to Hanley Ramirez when no one could get to him. They asked those two guys to sit down with Hanley Ramirez and say, hey, man, like you got to get your act together. This goes back like a decade Years, or something right. like that. And, and they did it. And they did it. And now, did it work? I don't know. But they, <laughs> they, they came to it when they were needed to. And so I, just, I always think it's great to have Hall of Famers in the mix. And I know Posada is now one of the trusted advisors for, for Derek Jeter. But I think that we are – at a point now where that hopefully could be considered. But of course now Hawk is now working for the Cubs. The Cubs will probably never let him go. Oh, but why would they? I, I so it'll I be interesting to see uh, the way this all shakes out over, over the next few weeks or months, or even over the next year before Derek Jeter ultimately is inducted into the hall of fame. Um, all right. So the Marlins square off with the Phillies 
uh, starting tonight for their final three-game stretch of the season. Yeah, I think uh, JT's done. I think that's it. Yeah. I think his season's over. I don't know. Yeah. I think that they would have kept him going if if they would have still been in the hunt. But yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to play this weekend. I think uh, uh, I think his season's over. A surprising uh, non-playoff appearance for those yeah. Phillies, but um, yeah, really you know yeah. they're and we could break some of that down next week as we do the Marlins yeah. recap. We can do some some postseason previews and 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 stuff like that. But any sort of uh, any sort of notes, just quick to wrap up before we get into uh, next week's episode where we will review the season? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think, that's, uh, I think that puts a wrap on the regular season for us. We'll be back next week with any, any changes that will be made. And if it happens quickly, we'll, we'll pop on and, and do a, you know, a podcast. I don't think it requires an emergency if they make a coaching change of some kind. But we'll come back. We'll do our season recap next week. And we'll still do podcasts into the offseason, maybe not with as much frequency. But as I've said before, the one great thing about us is, is dating back even to when we began. We have some really good sponsors who reach out to me consistently. And when I have said, hey, look, you want to, you know, chill when the offseason's <laughs> over, you know, they're like, no, 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 let's keep going. So yeah. uh, there are a lot of people who are obviously listening and supporting this podcast, uh, listeners and sponsors alike. And so we definitely appreciate them. And so we will continue to roll on into October, November, and then we'll have the winter meetings in December. Have a great weekend, everybody.